Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So today I wanted to go through a bit of a design uh, dilemma I've been having and, and kind of the history that led up to it. Um, many of you listen in Overcast, and you can look at the uh, Now Playing screen of Overcast, and if you're not listening in Overcast, it works for you too. Look at the Now Playing screen of the podcast app that you're listening to this in. You will see what appears to be a fairly standard UI. Like, Now Playing screens have been around since we had music playback, since the first iPhone, and you know even before that. It seems like Now Playing screens shouldn't be a lot of work. It, the, the design of them shouldn't be too challenging. They all kind of look similar. And so you might think, this should be an easy thing to design. But the reality is, my now playing screen has been a constant design struggle for me. It's simply a lot harder than it looks. Because with with music apps, you have... First of all, music has like a smaller problem space than podcasts. Podcast apps tend to have additional controls that music apps don't. But even among music apps, if you look at like what Apple has gone through with their music now playing interface, they've gone through a progression there as well. And even the current one still has massive discoverability problems, like the way they, ha- they hide some of the controls that you have to like scroll up to see like the shuffle and repeat control and everything, and they have to actually tell you in a little tutorial the first time you see it where that is uh, because people don't find things that aren't on screen. And so like, it, there's been this constant struggle that we've all had, everyone who designs now playing screens, and this, this goes you know broadly for lots of different apps as well, but we've had the struggle of we want to we want to make the screen look really nice because that matters a lot too. That matters in marketing, that matters in customer acquisition, um, that matters in things like Apple featuring you. So you want it to look really nice, but it also has to fit a lot of functionality in there and be very useful and be very discoverable. And that has proven to be extremely difficult over time. Yeah, and I think too it's the... I think about how many different operations are trying to be controlled by one screen. And if I like, if I was going to like enumerate them, it's like you have um, the information about what is currently playing, which is typically some kind of artwork, a uh, showed a show title, a episode title, maybe a date, a date sometimes. Yeah. Then you're going to have the current playback information, so like t- which is typically time elapsed, time remaining, as well as some kind of scrubber to go between those two extremes. Then you have playback control, which is going to be typically play, pause, go back, go forward. Um, then you're going to have uh, off potentially volume control, though that's less of a thing I think now than it used to be. But it used to be for a while you'd have a volume control. You're definitely going to have a source control. Yeah, like an output selector, AirPlay versus whatever. Yeah, and I think that that's a very common, like sort of an essential thing now. Um, you're going to have usually some kind of speed control in terms of, especially for obviously for a podcast player, maybe not as much in music, but you have some kind of you know playback speed control. In your case, you have that plus. Um, your uh, smart speed and voice boost options. So like just generally controlling the audio stream, you have a sleep timer to, you know, to have the app turn itself off at a particular point in time. Um, You now have chapters and chapter navigation, 
right. you have and possibly uh, their own elapsed time like chapters sure. chapters basically duplicate a bunch of other things like chapters bring in their own titles which might be hyperlinks uh <laughs> that they also need chapter back and forward controls and a lot of people really like seeing how much time is left in a chapter yeah um and you have the you you have the sort of sort of this control uh, support contribute button, um, which um, is is isn't available there. You have the general screenshot. Uh, sorry, screen, uh, show notes for the applicant for, for the particular episode that you're looking at. Don't forget the star button and the star button. Yeah, and <laughs> share the button. share button probably. <laughs> yep, yeah. the share button. <laughs> like it is like mission control over there. like like you just kind of imagine all of that functionality and the thing that's really complicated. I think so. And I've I've built a, a couple of these myself. Like, but is so like infuriating about a now playing screen. So you have all these different operations, but typically the user only wants to do one of them per like interaction that I think there's a, the funny thing about audio is that you don't actually look at the app most of the time that you're using it. Most of the time you do something and then you just listen and, you know, for two hours, they're going to be listening to, you know, listening to an episode and then they'll open the app to do something. And you never know, though, what it is that they're going to do. So you can't optimize for that ahead of time. Like if you knew, you know, the user is out, say the user is out on a run, like they have their phone in one of those like sleeves that goes on their arm and they're going to be all they're trying to do is like hit play pause or skip forward and back. You want giant play pause and giant forward and back buttons. But if they aren't doing that, if they're actually like sitting down and they're, they're wanting to like read links that are associated with the show notes and they're doing something like that, like you need a totally different UI and having giant play pause buttons would just get in the way. And maybe they're controlling play pause by double tapping their AirPod or the Bluetooth controller or the headset controller attached to them. Like all of those modes get different. And then you also have the thought of like, well... Should you make it dynamic? Should you have one interact interface that is fixed, that is not trying to be contextual? Or should you try and make it contextual that if they, you know, they're playing the audio through a device that has external play pause controls, should you make the play pause controls smaller or bigger? Like it is a complete nightmare, but and no matter what, 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 what sort of what interaction you come up with, you're still having to deal with there's, well, I don't even know how many we just went through. It sounded like maybe like 20 different <laughs> like active interface elements that you all want to put onto one screen like it's a nightmare well and, and there's even more than that like there like there are things that overcast doesn't display that people frequently request so one of the most common ones is well first of all if you have one you didn't mention is that if you have a sleep timer running i also display the time remaining which people who use a sleep timer really really like sure but uh it's, it's also different by each person like i personally almost never use a sleep timer and so that whole quadrant of the screen is not useful to me, but a lot of people do use it, and so it's nice to have it there. Um, a lot of people want there to be the displaying a volume control, as you mentioned earlier, which is kind of optional in the like source output selector, but a lot of people do request it. A lot of people want uh, to display the name of the device that it's outputting to, so it'll say like Marco's AirPods or whatever. Like you know, there there are ways to get that information, and I can show it, but it's it's hard to fit on that screen. Overcast also has ads <laughs> that, that most sure. people using the app show, see the ad and it kind of needs to be on the now playing screen because that's the screen most people are looking at most of the time and when, when the app is visible. And so, you know, for business reasons, I need to have the ad there. I also need to have some way to dismiss the now playing screen. And sure. so 
that can take lots of different forms. You know, some people use tab bars, some people use um, gesture-only navigation, but I found that's undiscoverable, which I'll get to. Um, and so you also need a way to dismiss it. Uh, so that kind of, it's nice to have that be a button of some kind or some kind of visible element on screen. Uh, and then the other challenge is, so I mentioned you know, a second ago, not everybody wants the same things on the screen, but also the visual prominence of certain things, the size, the spacing, no one can even agree on what that should even be because for everyone it's something different. Um, I personally think that the artwork should be as big as possible. And this is also really hard because podcast artwork is square. Try laying out full-width square artwork on f- iPhones that came before the iPhone ten, so the screens were a different aspect ratio. It's really hard. It takes up a lot of the screen. It gets even harder if you want large square artwork on an iPhone and an iPad and in both orientations on an iPad and in all the different size classes that can be an iPad multitasking. It's so hard to lay this out in a way that the artwork doesn't get super small or get or look really weird or squish everything else in too skinny of a space or whatever else. So this has been a constant battle. And I have gone through so many different ways to do it in Overcast, which we'll get to in a minute. But just like it's it is really hard to lay out these screens and and every Every person who suggests a change to me or says, "Why don't you just do X?" They mean well, and and they just don't get it. Though. Like they haven't they haven't actually considered like, well, okay, if that element has to get bigger, then how does it look on an iPhone Seven? Or oh, then now there's no more room for it on the iPhone SE. Or this would have to then shrink in this condition and it wouldn't fit this condition. Like it's there's so much that goes into this uh, that it's. It, I think people really. They they totally underestimate the complexity and the the um, restrictions on designing these screens. Yeah, and I think too the I mean it's not I wouldn't say it's an, it's, a, it's like a terrible aspect of, of app development these days, but the differences in screen size and probably more importantly screen proportions that we have to navigate now, I think make a lot of designs like, feel much more complicated to do because the way. You know, a, a layout that looks good, if you take it just sort of a layout that looks good on an iPhone SE, which I think is broadly sort of like the low end, I think the 5S is typically our, is technically our lowest device at this point, but you know, the 5S uh, SE screen size, and you make it a design that looks good there. And then you say, okay, I'm going to take all of the same elements in the same general location and then put that onto a 10R, like, and just sort of add white space to kind of stretch it out it'll look really weird. Like it'll either you're going to have these, the buttons are going to, if you, you know, if you scale the button's size with the side, with the screen size, then things look kind of over. Like it's like this, what it was like, this is a, like a children's interface. Like all the buttons are huge and and gigantic. Or if you add white space then you have these like huge, you know, sections of just blank white screen, just with nothing in them. And in some ways, I guess you could like dynamically add and remove controls based on the screen size, but like technically that gets a little bit tricky. And as well as like, that's a little weird from a design perspective to have this, like this interface that is so that is like adding and removing interface elements, you know, dynamically between them, not to say even, not even to start talking about things like if you have an iPad version of your app, that iPad version can exist in I don't know what is it, six different six. Oh gosh, I, it, many many different <laughs> interface elements, and even just you imagine like you know the the, mo- the worst proportional screen I find is the iPad compact layout. So if you do the little swipe in, so it's you know full height, 
but narrow width. Oh yeah, the tall skinny one. That's like, really the tall hard. skinny one. Like there is no design for anything that looks good in that because it's like sort of like an iPhone, but it's like three iPhones stacked on top of each other, glued <laughs> together with duct tape. Like it, it, there, nothing is ever going to look good in that. Like even if you have a list, like a table view, like it still looks kind of weird to have this gigantic long list. Um, you know, like it's just like there's too much data there. So like all these things I think make this kind of a design just so tricky because you're covering not like if you just had to design for one, you know, one screen size, one, res- one, one aspect ratio, maybe it's possible. As soon as it stops being that, like it is in, it sort of it becomes inherently so much more complicated. We are brought to you this week by Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud. You can get a server running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, node location, and so much more. Linode serves their customers with the help of 10 data centers around the globe. And they're about to add more. They have Mumbai, India, and Toronto, Canada, both having data centers on board before 2020. Linode features native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network behind it all, and Intel Xeon E5 processors. This means you'll be able to serve your customers as fast as possible. And you don't have to stress about overspending because Linode has also designed their pricing tiers to be very easy to understand and to feature hourly billing with monthly caps on all plans and add-on services, including the backups, node balancers, and of course, the core Linodes themselves. Linode has fantastic pricing options available to suit everyone, including us. You know, I run everything on Linode. I, all my servers are there, and I have servers from the basic, you know, low levels, which start at just $5 a month, all the way up to big, beefy servers for things like my biggest databases and everything. They also have high memory plans starting at 16 gigs of RAM, and they, they can cover all sorts of needs. And Linode has special offers. As listeners of this show, you can go to linode.com slash radar and use promo code radar2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan. So on that $5 a month plan, which gets you a gig of RAM, that could be four free months. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. So give Linode a try today. That's linode.com slash radar and promo code radar2019 to learn more, sign up, and make the most of that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So I've gone through with Overcast a, a number of designs. My my and, and part of this also, you have to keep up with OS changes, new phone sizes and just kind of the general fashion of what's cool in user interface design um and that that's really you know besides the the design challenges of what we've discussed so far that's actually really hard so in in the 1.0 version this was uh when ios 7 and 8 were were current like i designed it with ios 7 uh and then ios 8 i think it was shipped for ios 8 but it was it was a very, very basic design. The The largest phone that existed at that time was the iPhone 5S or 5. And so it was like, it was designed to fit on the iPhone 4 size screen, but expand optionally to the iPhone 5 size screen. And I didn't support chapters at the time. And you know, a lot of things were much simpler, but it was a very, very basic design. There were buttons for everything. There were two different control panels that you could bring up, one called playback, one called effects. And those had buttons that had just had text that said playback and effects. So it was a, it was a very clean, pure design. I actually really liked the one-pointer design. I was very proud of that. It looks outdated now because it's very iOS 70, but it, it I really was very happy with that design. Um, but unfortunately, that that had to evolve uh, as as things changed. And it had the key problem it had was that it hid the show notes 
So, like, you know, wherever you'd see, like, you know, the episode description and any kind of, you know, HTML show notes that people might add, um, the way it hid them was the artwork was actually a scroll view, and the art took up the full size of it, but then if you scrolled it up, you would it, you would reveal the show notes below it all. And we'll have shown uh, images of all this either in the chapter artwork, um, if you're using Overcast, which you should be, um, or just as links in the uh, show notes. Yeah, although just humorously, to... like a bunch of like tall, skinny images won't look very good in the square artwork display sure. <laughs> most podcast apps. Sure. But either, either way, I'm just just if, if we're, we're trying to be, we're, we're painting word pictures, yeah. but if, uh, if, if you want to look at what, what Marco is saying as he's describing these, there'll be that go look in the show notes and you can take a look at this. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, so that was, you know, 1.0, it, it was, everything was clear and visible on screen except for show notes. And that was a big problem because what I found over time was like, you know, I would do the thing where like the first time you saw the now playing screen, I would blink the scroll indicator. Cause that's been like the iOS standard since 1.0 of, how do you show that something is scrollable? Well, when it appears on screen, you flash the scroll indicator. Yep, turns out no one notices that at all. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> and something that you can just scroll that doesn't have any visual way of indicating that, basically nobody will ever do it. Um, this was also, this was a push navigation screen that would just push in from the side. So the way you push out was from the side. So there was really no reason for anyone to ever scroll up or down on this screen unless they knew that the show notes were behind there. And so... Over the over the months following, I, I got a lot of emails from people saying, wait, there's show notes? Or saying like, oh, I wish you would add a feature that we can display show notes. And I'm like, but wait, I, I already have that feature. Are they just not finding it? And sure enough, they, they weren't finding it. And it's not their fault. It's my fault. Because I made an interface that didn't at all make it discoverable besides that little subtle flash of the scroll indicator that most people just wouldn't notice. Um, so it was basically, it, it was my fault and it was my problem to fix. And so... Over over the you know coming years, you know Overcast is now what about four or five years old. So you know over the following years, I have evolved the playback screen, and I also have evolved it to do things like accommodate for the addition of things like chapter support, uh, to accommodate for uh, new looks of the system. Um, like I like when when the music app went to kind of like the floating cards in space paradigm, where like the now playing screen would come up and the corners on top would be rounded, and the, the screen behind it would like sink back into space behind it, and the top top would be black in the status bar. Like I I did a, a design like that after Apple did because that's what people expected music and sound playback apps to look like at that time, and I did it and it it was good and it solved some problems. It looked pretty cool, um, but I still had problems of discoverability. And as part of an effort to look cool around that time, I also hid the playback and effects panels and made them swipe panels. In, like, so you would swipe horizontally. Now, now that the playback screen is coming up vertically, then you could swipe horizontally in the artwork to go between these three panes. Like, the middle one would be the artwork, and then you'd have settings and stuff on the left and info on the right, like the show notes and info on the right. And I indicated this via the iOS system standard of page dots. So I had below the artwork, I had page dots, and you would swipe, and they would change. So it was, it was very clear, this is a three-page interface, and it's horizontally based. So if you notice the page dots, and you know what page dots mean in iOS, you would know, oh, this is a swipe thing. I can swipe this to go to different pages. And guess how many people found that? Nobody. Nobody. Yep. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so that was a huge I, I got emails from people every day saying hey where are your speed controls i can't find them or i wish you'd offer speed controls <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is even worse when it's yeah. like it, it's a feature that i have it's right, right there. or i sped it up now i can't find how i did that and i can't speed i can't change the speed back please help 
which is compounded by the fact that Overcast syncs your speed preference to its server. And so if you were to, say, delete the app and re-enter the app, it would say, do you want to use your account? And you'd probably say yes. And then it would resync over your playback speed preference. (laughs) So, yeah, all sorts of failures going on there. And so I... I had all these problems with discoverability, and so with the current generation of Overcast, the Overcast 5 generation, I thought I had solved it all. I, may, I, I had this idea this summer, and I ran it by some friends, and it, it seemed like I really had, had it all figured out. I had these rounded cards in the middle that would show the edges of two cards left and right, so it would be very clear visibly that this is a three-card interface, and I even put the little, like, little bar indicators like little like drag handle bars yeah. on the two cards side by side so that it was very clear that you can pull these with your hand and these are different panels of things so you should swipe between these things and this is how you will find my settings now and that even freed up some room on the bottom to for me to make the sleep timer more prominent and to add a star button on the main now playing screen, which I've, I'd wanted to do f- since 1.0 and just couldn't like fit it really anywhere that looked good. Um, and so I was like, great, this is, I finally cracked the now playing design problem. Well, every single day since then, I have gotten emails from people saying, where are the speed controls? Yeah. Or I hope you add speed controls. Or I changed the speed and I can't figure out where, where to change it back please help. And I thought I had solved this, but it turns out, first of all, again, even though it is to us an iOS design convention to have like, you know, a multi-card interface that swipes, it looks kind of like things in the app store and stuff like that. Like, like this, this paradigm is used all over the system. So you would think people would think this is swipeable. So A, not so. Many people don't think it's swipeable. But B, Sometimes I would ask the people, I'm like, out of curiosity, like, you know, why um, why didn't you try swiping on this, or did you see this, or whatever else? And I got a very interesting answer from a lot of people. They said, I saw that was swipeable, but I didn't want to swipe it because I, I assumed that would be changing to the next or previous episode. Sure. Which makes total sense, because that's the artwork by default, and so it kind of looks like if you swiped it back and forth, you'd be going between different podcasts. Like, now like i never even considered that during development but once somebody said it i was like oh of course now i see it now like and so now i'm faced with yet another like i have a usability problem with discoverability of this screen i'm going to fix it and i'm going to fix it in the most boring way possible because i'm tired of trying to make this screen look awesome i'm tired of trying to make everything look minimal because even though that's really cool and that's it looks great in screenshots and reviews, what this screen needs is some more buttons. More buttons. So yes. I am going to simply bring back the UI innovation of buttons. <laughs> buttons that show the effects panel. And if I'm lucky, the info screen. And it's not gonna look as good. And it's not gonna be as cool. And it's definitely not gonna be as minimal. But I have to do it. Because it's all of these techniques I've used to try to make things look really good have been only costing me in usability. And I mean this app to be a mainstream app. I want everyone to be able to use this app. I target it as a mainstream podcast app. I want it to be a direct replacement for Apple Podcasts for anybody who wants to try it. And I simply can't do that if any part of it is considered hard to use. And most people 
seem to get most of the rest of the app. Like over time, I've I've made changes to the rest of the app to do things like move important uh, functions out of swipe gestures, out of table view swipes, out of the edit mode of table views, which nobody ever finds. Yeah, yeah. spoiler. If you put an edit button in the upper right of a table view and hide any functionality behind that that isn't available in other ways, nobody is finding it. No one knows what edit buttons do. No one taps them, etc. So, by the way, see also drag and drop. Um, so, <laughs> so drag and drop is totally... Oh, God, that's a whole other thing. But anyway, so I, I'm going to redo this screen, um, and it's it's going to be hard. And it's going to be a lot of work, and it's going to anger people because a lot of people like the current screen, and so I'm changing it again. Uh, I, it's, I seem like I changed the now playing screen about once every year and a half or so, but I have to do it because this design has failed. It was the, the whole point of this design was to make it more discoverable for people to find the other screens and while it has worked for some people, it hasn't worked for enough people. And enough people are still having problems that I need to fix it. So get ready for some more buttons. Yeah. And it's, I think there's a, there's a, f- a fascinating tension. I feel this my, my, sort of myself all the time where you want, like, I, I want it to be like, the, I don't even know. It's like the Johnny Ive, like beautiful, essential, like it is the platonic ideal of whatever the design is, and it's, which is typically very minimalist. Typically, you're removing affordances, you're removing, um, like you're, you're boiling the app down to it's like, it's just its bare essentials. And like that is sort of this, from a design perspective, like often just like that just feels nice and it looks beautiful. Like it looks really nice, but at the same time, if you take away all those affordances, you take away all of the kind of clear, obvious, don't make me think kind of um, inter- interface elements, then people have to think. And then people have to um, explore the app and like discover what things do without knowing what they're going to ha- do ahead of time. And this is something that I think I often, I often kind of think about too, that is so easy, I find for myself to not think of myself as a user who is scared of the application. But I know many people who interact with technology in a way that is, if not scared, is timid. Like in the example you gave of someone who doesn't want to swipe, like because they're worried that if they do that, it's going to mess something up. Yep. And like making something obvious, making it clear that it's safe to push this button is an interesting kind of design um, goal. That you want to make, you know, make people feel safe and competent, that they look at the interface. And even if it isn't beautiful, if it's clear, then it's a different kind of win. And in some ways, this is, I think, just one of those fascinating tensions between like maybe in some ways you could say, well, you can have great design and, you know, good usability. And that statement is obviously true, but it's a different kind of design that you can end up with in this, in, sort of in this place. Like it is, you can still have a, a design that is, you know, well laid out, has good spacing and contrast and alignment and all the kind of the core elements of good design, but it may not be sort of elegant in that way. Like it may just be, you, you know, useful and utilitarian and I think it's great to have buttons like it's making it something and this is where you even get into the funny questions of like, should buttons have words on them or should buttons have icons on them? You know, it's like if you have a word, then there's less ambiguity about what that thing is, um, because you're saying, you know, you're in your version one, 
interface, you, it said like, this is, you know, the, you have the effects button. Well, if I push the effects button, then I expect, well, it's going to change the effects. But if in, rather than that, it has a, I don't know, like a gear on it or some kind of more esoteric symbol. Like maybe I don't know what that is. And if I, if I, you know, like to my point earlier, it's like, if I'm worried about, if I don't know what a button's going to do when I push it, maybe I don't want to push that button because that's, you know, scary too, in a different way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, like you can look at other podcast apps to see like how they illustrate this in their iconography, and it's kind of a little bit. You know, you have gears sometimes. You have like a little speaker sometimes. You have um, a knob icon or multiple knobs, or you have the like up and down sliders, like like vertical sliders icons to indicate sure. like these are settings. Like, and I, I honestly have no idea which one of those I'm going to use. I'm going to use one of them. I'm leaning towards like I like having icons that are round, so I'm leaning towards the probably a gear maybe a knob but i don't know i'm, I'm gonna play with it and see what looks right but either way like i have to do something and then the, i also have the question of like when you hit that knob or gear or whatever it is what happens do i keep the three pane interface and just have those buttons swipe it over for you and tapping it again swipes it back or do i move them back into popovers which solves actually a number of other problems i've been having with those screens um Although it's hard to say that info should be in a popover. That's that it probably shouldn't. So it's like then do I have settings in a popover, but info not in a popover? It, it it's a whole you know can of worms that I'm that I'm opening up by doing this. Um but yeah, I feel like ultimately you have to like I feel like a a confident design is one that doesn't care so much about looks, that that achieves good looks, but is not willing to sacrifice usability in order to get like the ideal look and that's something that we've seen a lot of people you know both developers and apple uh fail at and pick the wrong balance with over the years but but i think it's time to go back and it's time to really prioritize usability and and that's that's what i have to do and that's what that's what i'm going to do yeah well i look forward to version five six of the now playing screen and you know seeing what seeing what you come up with and hopefully you know it'll make just make your users more comfortable and comfort-based usability is definitely a good thing oh yeah Thanks for listening, everybody. Hopefully you can find the stop button, and we will see you next week. Bye.